Hey there, friend. Welcome to the Having a Mom Moment podcast. I am your host, Shannon Warner. This podcast is all about taking a few moments for yourself and reconnecting to the amazing woman behind the title of mom. You have so many plates spinning at any given time between your kids, your partner, your job, maintaining a household, etc., etc. But where does taking time just for you play into that? Let's spend some time together, you and me, right now. We're rebranding a mom moment to those sacred moments you take to fill your cup first. Let's connect, tune in, and tap into what makes us the incredible women that we are. We'll nurture ourselves first so we can be our best selves for those we pour into on a daily basis. We'll also bask in the beautiful wisdom of other moms to learn about the ways in which they've tapped into alignment in their own motherhood journeys. Come on, mama. It's your time. We're having a mom moment. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Having a Mom Moment podcast. I am your host, Shannon Warner, and I'm just so excited that you're here with us today. Before we get started, I want to say a quick hello to some of our listeners. Hello to those of you listening from Superior, Wisconsin, Malibu, California, Arlington, Virginia, and our lovely neighbors to the north. Hello to those listening from Alberta, Canada. I appreciate all of you so much. Thank you for tuning in. Just a reminder that the Mat Leave Social Virtual Community is coming in January. For any of those new mamas on maternity leave, we would love to have you. Come join us. The details are in the show notes. Our guest today is Christina Buendia. Christina's story is really inspiring. She goes from a single mother and law student to now a special education teacher married with three children and on top of teaching full-time is also a parental coach. And she and I spoke for a good chunk of time before and we talked late into the night afterwards. So uh, I really love this conversation. I walked away feeling like I had made a new friend and I think you will too because her message is just so good and so empowering. I hope you love it. Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Of course. I'm excited to have you. We were chatting for about 30 minutes before we started recording. So I know it's going to be a good one. Um, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I am a special education teacher. I've been a teacher for over 10 years. I have a legal background in special education law and advocacy. And my specialty is behavior. That, that's like my jam. Um, I'm also a mom. I'm a mom to three. I have a 16-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old. So nice. I have the hardest possible ages you can have in your house. Oh, my gosh. Um, four to eight, like prime time, dinner time is absolutely crazy, but I, I really wouldn't have it any other way. Wow. I love an age gap story. Uh, do you mind sharing a little bit about the age gap? So with my daughter, I had her when I was around 26. I'd been in that relationship for about six years. And once I became pregnant with her, that relationship had slowly fell apart. And I found myself as a single mom. And I was a single mom for 11 years. Wow. And then met my husband. He had no children. I honestly wasn't planning on having any more children, but he really wanted one of his own. And he was just a wonderful person. And I really wanted to experience a family and a child with somebody who really loved me. And though 
we woke up one day and it was like, boom, we have two boys now. They're 14 months apart. So I have lived the life as a single mom. And when I had her, I had not graduated college. So I did college and then went to law school and all of that as, as a parent by myself. And then now being married to the most wonderful father and husband Mm -hmm. and experiencing that joy. So I had come with a lot, I've come with a lot of different angles that I see things when it comes to parenting and children, because I've had a taste of both. Both. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's so interesting though, with the gap and you've like lived the whole like infant, toddler little kid, big kid, you know, elementary school kid. And then you kind of start over at the beginning. A lot of, thing. like a lot of my friends were like, what are you doing? <laughs> you have like four years left till she graduates. Like you're really going to do this whole baby stage over again. And I just didn't see it in that way. I just really thought I struggled so much as a single mom. I really am looking at this as I get a second chance at life. Yeah. And I get a second chance to raise kids and I get to learn from the first time and keep some things, but then learn some things and be a different parent. So it's not so much about the bottles and having to start all over again. I was looking at this as a whole other beautiful chapter of my life. Oh my gosh, that is a beautiful way to look at it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. And I love how you, you know, like wanted to see your husband as like a father, you know, like in that. Yeah, I love that. I can resonate a little bit because I was like, I can have kids or I couldn't or whatever, you know. And then the more I, you know, spent time with my husband, I was like, okay, he wants them. Like he's going to be such a good dad and he has been the best. So. Yeah, that's cool. It, it is something beautiful to see in your spouse when you yeah. when you see that. Also, too, like my husband and I had this conversation and he said to me one day, he said, Did when you were a little girl, did you ever think about getting married? And I was like, Yes. And he goes, Like, did you think about your wedding and like your dress? And I said, Well, I don't have it planned out, but I yeah, of course. I've I visualize certain things. Yeah. And he said, Being a dad is something that I've dreamed about my entire life. Hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think my heart just melted. Yeah. And being a single mom and and having that that man in my life not want children and kind of essentially the relationship broke and fell apart to a man that wanted a child so bad. Yeah, I was like, I want to experience that. And so it's like, let's get married. Let's do this. And like I said, it's, it's the evenings are, are, are wild, but so fun. And to see yeah. my daughter, like, she was like, mom, mom, this, like our life used to be so quiet and our house used to be so clean. I was like, I know. <laughs> now when she comes home, the little one, the two-year-old especially runs to her sister, sister, and he has kind of like a lisp. It's so cute. Yeah. I mean, to see, and I videotape, I've recorded a lot, just to see, like, their interactions. Yeah. It's a beautiful, and I tell her, I said, that's a gift that you got. Mm-hmm. You're now a sister, and you have somebody who will give you unconditional love. Like, he's going to adore you yes. your entire life. Oh. I mean, he is so in love with her. But, yeah, ours is not quite as extreme. 
Um, <laughs> we've got almost five years between our two, but okay. what I was not expecting. I knew my six-year-old was going to be a fantastic big sister, and she is. I was not expecting our little one, who's now 20 months, to be so obsessed with her sister. She just, yeah, she's just like, sissy, just over the moon about her to the point where the six-year-old now is like, okay, <laughs> um, I don't want to play with her right now. I'm like, that's okay. Yeah, but... Okay. They're like the older ones are celebrities, the little ones are their little fan clubs. Yeah. And so, you know, they just follow them and worship them. Yeah. So sweet. Also, the biggest kudos to you as a single mom. Like, my mom was a single mom. My parents didn't work out. My dad was very, very present, but just doing the in and out day to day by yourself, I can't imagine. I don't know how you do it. I know you do it because you have to, but like, oh my gosh. I give it's, single moms so much credit. Oh, I do. Yes, I, I'm with you on that one, too. I mean, there. when you say single mom, I hear a thousand words when you say that to me. It comes with, it is the hardest job ever. And I explained mm. to my husband, like, I will never do that ever again. Even in my yeah. next lifetime. Do not ever. <laughs> I will never be a single mom ever again. That is the hardest thing I went through. And mm. I think another thing we don't talk about, too, is that if you're dating a single woman or any even a man even if he's got children i want you to know that they come with trauma being a single mom you are traumatized yeah you are literally trying to survive you cannot thrive in that environment because when yeah. you have children they really are meant to be they are made by two people and they are meant to be raised by two people yes and and there are people out there that are successful in being raised by a single mom. But I will tell you that a mom cannot do the role as a father. Right. You just can't. That that child will have a hole somewhere in their heart from an absent father. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, no matter how great she is and everything that she's done, she cannot replace that part. Yeah. You're so and that great. is what is so hard about it. Yeah. And I didn't even think about that. I was thinking about, because again, my dad was present but it's just the you know that I, I come home and I'm like my hands are so full and I can't imagine having to do this without another set of hands so yeah well thank you for sharing that um I love when women are willing to come on and share the not so beautiful parts of of life I, I just love sharing messages and having women share messages that other people can identify with you know and then you come out okay like it's always okay on yeah. the other side so I heard this quote one day that says like, if everything's not okay, then it's not over. Yeah. And I used to just remind myself that. Like, when I was going to college, I'm like, ooh, this is yucky. And how am I going to do this with the child? But I'm like, it's not over yet. Yeah. You know, and that's when I knew that I could keep going. Because yeah. I knew that I had more in me. And I knew that God was, I knew that this was not it. Yeah. I'm like, God did not bring me this far for me to fall or to drop or to fail me. I know that he brought me this far because I'm going to go so much further. Yeah. And I just kept looking for that and just always had hope. I hope people who, because I know religion can be a hot button issue. So if it's not God for you, if it's source, universe, whatever it is for whoever's listening, like, yeah. like you said, like, you know, that's not why they brought you here or whatever powers are at play brought you here. It's just believing it's just believing in something greater than yourself. Yeah. Whatever that title is or whatever it is for you, it's something else greater than you brings you that comfort. Yeah. And yeah. I just, you know, when I was a single mom, I just I fell to my knees. And I really, really had to, you know, that's when I had to say, you know, I believe something higher. 
yeah. you know and I and I have you know I am to into the spiritual aspect of a lot of things but really when it, at that time point in my life I mean it was a lot a lot of prayers I can only ima- I can only imagine and my heart goes out to younger you I mean you've obviously landed in such a beautiful place and you've done so well so you gave us a great background of what you do and you shared a bit about your motherhood journey like what else what else do we need to know about Christina and what Christina does so I took all of my experience with you know being a being a parent and a mom in these different roles as a single parent and now married and then took all of my years of education and my law degree and so I now work with families I'm a parent life coach and I work with families with children between the adolescent ages of nine and 19 those are the most difficult years Mm. and I definitely nowadays would not parent a child without someone else Mm. like a therapist or a parent life coach or something because those are some very hard years to navigate and so I work with the child and then I work with the parent in separate sessions and then I bring us all together Mm -hmm. and so really it's about finding harmony and peace back in your home Mm. oh my gosh I want to put a pin in that just for one minute because you just glo- like glossed over the fact that you went to law school and you have a law degree and you're just like, oh yeah, it's a thing. Like next, <laughs> that whole story is a is a great story. So I graduated from college and I called my dad and I said, I'm going to law school. And he's like, hold on a second, you got a degree in teaching. You're a single mom. I really think that you need to teach, get your certification, and teach for a couple of years, and then go to law school. So I was like, okay, so I was on a mission to get out of debt. So I was like, okay, okay, hold on. Let me be a teacher. I got braces. So I was like, let me pay my braces off. Um, let me get a, I don't, I don't want a car payment. Yeah. Let me get out of debt. So I spent those couple of years teaching. I went on a couple of girls trips because I, again, was so broke there for so many years. Yeah. And I just set myself up. Like I knew that was the goal. And so I spent those couple of years preparing. I got into law school and I had a cute, cute apartment in the city and drove a really cute car and I gave it all up and moved in with my parents. My daughter was eight at the time and I went to law school from eight to five. I sat in my parents' house with my daughter and I shared twin beds. She had one bed and I had the other and I treated it like a full-time job. I was there eight to five every day studying. And my parents took us in. And so that's how, that was how I was able to do it. I graduated and I landed my dream job. Okay. Um, so I landed my dream job and everybody told me, why would you work for that person? I cannot believe that you're going to take this job to work with this person. And being the people pleaser that I am, mm. I turned the job down. Oh my gosh. And I didn't have a job for about six months. So a friend of mine said, in order to get a job, you got to have a job. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so what am I supposed to do? And she was like, go wait tables. Oh my gosh. Oh my and gosh. I had no waiting table experience. I went to Denny's. And they hired me on the spot and I winged it. Yeah. And the man, the guy that owned the Denny's said, I would love to make you a manager. And I said, can I talk to you for a second? You're open. <laughs> I said, 
I take that as a huge compliment, but I just graduated from law school and I'm trying to figure out what to do with my life. I don't think I can be a manager right now for your restaurant. Yeah. So then I went to, um, I'm, I'm in Houston and I Googled or Yelped the steakhouse that had the highest reviews. And I went over there and said, I want to work here. And they said, we're not hiring. A week later, I said, I need to speak to the manager. I need to work here. And eventually they ended up interviewing me and they hired me. Mm-hmm. And that's where I met my husband. Oh my gosh. I that's love cool. stories like this. So I meet my husband there. We date for nine months and we get married. And at this time, I just was like, I still have my teaching certification. I don't know yet what I'm going to do with this law degree. I started doing some advocacy work and working um, for the legal aid and then just ended up going back to teaching. So again, I woke up at the age of 40 and I was like, what the hell am I doing? Oh my gosh. I'm not happy with my teaching career. I really wanted to be a lawyer. I bought 40 pencil skirts while I was in law school and I was ready for this job. But I was, I was, I was manifesting this, this whole thing. I got the dream job that I wanted. I turned it down and I said, time out with my life. What oh my am gosh. I doing? Yeah. And that's when I realized like, oh, I have, I have some broken pieces in me and I have some trauma and I have some things I need to deal with and I need to go look in the mirror and I need to work on myself because I am completely miserable and I cannot mm-hmm. believe that I did all of that work in law school and didn't take that job because I listened to what people said and I thought I am sitting here, not them, I am sitting here miserable with my life and they've gone on, they gave me that advice and they're moving on with their life, but I'm the one that has to sit in this. How yucky does this feel? That's heavy. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I, I had to grieve that. Of course. My husband came home to me one day. I was in my closet cleaning out the 40 pencil skirts that I bought and all the high heels that I bought in boxes that I've never worn. And I was going through my closet and my husband's like, what is wrong with you? And I cried for three days straight on the floor. I had to mourn all of that work and everything and landing that job and not not doing that. And I think as women, we don't talk about that. We go through things in our life. You think of mourning, people think of like a loss of a relationship or a loss of something. Mm-hmm. But there's also things in your life like a loss of a hope or a loss of a job. Yes. You have to take the time to mourn. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm just, did you really get rid of the pencil skirts and the shoes? Because I, I metaphorically. Did not, I did, no, I did not. Just, okay. I didn't. Because yeah. they are so beautiful. A lot of them still had tags on them. So I beautifully have them up in my closet. I still have my shoes. Yeah. And but I just it was a process for me to go to go through that and to face it. Yeah. And it has to come to a point where I had to say, I accept. I went back into teaching and I have to accept this place. I have a beautiful husband and children. And I never would have met my husband if I didn't go eight tables. Yeah, And I had to remind myself that where I am is where I was meant to be. I am meant mm-hmm. to be right here. This is the exact place I was meant to be. Mm-hmm. And I can't keep thinking about that. Yeah. The griefing in the morning is so necessary. And as women, you have to give yourself that space to go through that. Um, but we don't most of the time. We don't. No, we don't. Mm-hmm. And it's ugly. I was on the floor in the closet. It was ugly. I mean, I am sure. He couldn't even like. I don't think he could even like, he couldn't even understand 
he just had to let me be and he's like i'm here if you need if there was nothing he could say to right me. right right i was like i just need you to leave like i just really need to be in this i just laid on the pencil skirts i took everything off the shelves and ev- like i just had to go through this whole thing of it uh i feel that for you i feel that for you and and i love that you're like I'm, I'm where I need to be. I wouldn't have met my husband otherwise. So it's nice that you can look back and see those pieces and how things come together. But when you're in it, it feels terrible. Oh my gosh. Okay. So does that get us back to where we are now? I know we, I, I put a pin in where we were. Yes. We lead yes. back up to that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So here, so here we are now. And I've taken those pieces of law school. I took a lot of courses in health law and special education law. So I took the things from law school and took those tools and added them along with my experience of education and all my parenting. And and now, like I said, I work with, do a lot of parenting life coach. So it all comes together beautifully. Right. You could have never imagined where you end up. Never. Whatever. Gosh. But you're still teaching now, correct? And I am still yes, yes, I'm still teaching now. I'm in an elementary school and I work with special kids with special who are under special education. I'm a reading specialist. So most of my kids struggle with reading. I also still do behavior. Wow. I'm sure I see a lot of stuff. <laughs> I do. I do. And I and I when I was in college it was weird. I loved classes like sociology and humanity and anthropology. Those were so fascinating to me. And my parents were just like, What are you gonna do with that degree? And so that's when my dad was like, Go be a teacher, get get the best bang for your buck with a college degree and actually get out. And so that's how I ended up in teaching. Teaching was not my dream, not something I ever wanted to do. It was something that my parents were like, Do it and you'll you'll be for sure, you know in a safe, you know, career. And it's something that you could provide for your child. And so at the time it made the most sense to me, but I think knowing that I was interested in the human behavior and why people do that they do when I got into education, I just soaked up the behavior. Mm. And my principal noticed, she's like, um, this need you need to be a behavior specialist and so I was for many many years and loved it and she really pushed me to to do that I don't think I ever would have done it but she was like you are excellent at what you do oh what a good and, leader uh, so the district also noticed that and so they sent me out to work with the most extreme kids wow. and I also went to campuses and I trained teachers on how to deal with these type of students yeah and how to teach them and that kind of stuff yeah, I want to go back just to for a moment about, yes. and I, um, I'm 37 currently, so I know you're a little older than me. But when I went to school, it was very much get a degree in whatever, like it'll be fine. You know, you'll get a job. They're just handing out jobs to people with degrees. Except when I was like, I don't think I want to do, and I got a lot of pushback. And again, you know, it was one of those like I was really good with kids, so fell into the teach not I planned to go into the teaching thing but it was like I had other ideas and that you know the feedback was like maybe don't do those things get a teaching job get the teaching job there will always be teaching jobs you know what there were in 2009 when I graduated teaching jobs none (laughs) none to be found anywhere like so you know I know we all look back now and we're old enough now to like follow our hearts and make our own decisions I hope I hope people listening know that they're old enough now to do that um, but what you're going to give permission. Yes. Yeah. I are giving you the ultimate permission. Do whatever 
sets your soul on fire. Yeah, yeah. And I, of course, don't know how college is going to evolve, but I know what I'm not going to do for my children. And I know my parents were trying to keep me safe. It was a safe. It wasn't my mom. It was my dad. It was my dad who was like, do the things, you know, safe. But you're right. It, it is safe. And I think they also grew up in a very gener- a very different generation of time than we did. Yeah. And, and like you just touched on, you're not doing it for your children. I'm not either. And people are like, oh my gosh, you're a teacher and you're telling your child she doesn't have to go to college. Yes, I am. Yeah. My daughter came to me and she said, I think I want to go to Japan and live for a year. And I was like, love it. Cool. Go. Yeah. I actually feel very safe with you in Japan. That seems like a very safe country. And I think you should go do that. Yeah. Because you don't know who you are at 18. And how, why in the world would you go to college and pick a degree? I don't even think I knew who I was until I was in my 30s. So Amen. I'm like, go find who you are. Go, go do that. And you can't do that in my house because you were planted here. In order yeah. for you to grow, you need to leave my house. Yeah. And do that exploring and find out who you are and all of that. I can't give that to you. I love that. And what a gift for you to hand her the permission and say, go, go do the things. Because that's what I wish I had. I wish that that's what my parents would have allowed me to do. Yeah. My parents were so just like, say, say, go to college to get it. Like, just never was like, yeah. Like to them, a job that you like. Right. That is unheard. Like, no, my dad's like, no, honey, you work eight to five and you come home to your family. And I'm like, dad, but what about something that I enjoy? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. That's when I knew there was a disconnect between their generation and my generation. Their generation, there were no choices. Yeah. His mom was a stay-at-home mom because women didn't have a lot of choices. So they were stuck in these marriages that they weren't happy in. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now as we've evolved, women are saying, F you, I'm going to get a degree. And if men are shitty, hey, guess what? I'm taking the kids and I can do this nowadays. Yeah. Women, women are able now to stand up for themselves and say that. Yeah. We now have, have grown more and more power from back then. And it's not that far back. I mean, what was it? I don't know the I don't know the date of this out of the air. Like sometime in like what the sixties or seventies where I think you get a big yeah, of like, course. And it was well, not that long ago. ago. And even when I was in law school, we studied about like women back then had to get their husband's permission to be on birth control or to even have an abortion or anything. And I remember reading it and I was like, wait, what? This was in the 60s? This was not that long ago. Like, how dare me have to ask my husband about something in my body or about me wanting to take birth control? Yeah. And it was a case. And the woman fought, like, I don't need my husband's permission. And the doctor wouldn't do it unless her husband signed off on it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I remember my dad telling me that my great grandmother had 12 kids. She had a child every two years. And I was like, ew. Like, my body is shuddering. (laughs) Oh, how? And my dad said they came on a covered wagon and lived on a farm with no electricity. I said, I told my dad, she literally cooked from sunup to sundown and made babies there. And he said, yes, Christina, yes. (laughs) So think about how far we have come as women and what we are doing now. Uh, <laughs> I feel like this could be a whole separate episode, and and it's not even a soapbox thing. It's just like no things are changing. Thank God, thank God they are. So as yes, they've changed so much. So so women that are listening to this, 
whatever it is that you want to do, go do that. Yeah. Please. That certification, that degree, that class, that whatever it is that you have always wanted to do, you don't need anybody's permission. You go do that for yourself. Because so many women behind you and before you and your ancestors and generations before have fought to have that and go do that. It makes me so emotional. It reminds me of Kathy. Uh, she's another Kathy connection. Christina is. And um, when she says we stand on the shoulders of giants and Kathy Heller talks about her grandmother and like, you know, Kathy Heller is Jewish. Her grandmother was Jewish. Jewish. You know, that all of that stuff was not that long ago. And she said, and now I can do this. You know, it's like we stand on the shoulders of giants and yeah. So and I, we, we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our children. We owe it to them. And I think all of those thousands and thousands of women are behind us rooting for us. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think we look back sometimes and think like, oh, they were, you know, con- consensual in the whole thing. Like they, they were fine with it. And it's like, no, I don't. I don't think like the fifties, like how sweat from the pearls and the heels, like some of them may have liked it, but I don't think that like that was chosen, you know, by women. It was chosen for them largely, you know, and then going back, like you said, to a baby every two years, 12 children, like, no, thank you. Yeah, I know. Me neither. Like, you don't want you to die. My body hurts just even thinking of that. Yeah. You know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I could go on about this particular thing. All day I, could, I could too. I really could. And when Kathy talked about it, I just so was like, where's the like button? And I just could press it 200 million times because every time she kept saying that, I was like, I felt that. I felt yeah. that women need to do that. And then somewhere along the lines, we we have felt like we lost our power. We give it away. Yes. And we need to stop doing that. Yeah, because we have so many women rooting for us and that would love to just say, oh, please. And they're actually behind you. Just that little whisper that you feel or that wind that is them pushing you and saying, no, we are here for you. And I'm like, like, like heart, heart, heart. Where's the heart emoji? I know. Because I just felt it in every cell of my body. I felt exactly what she was saying. Mm, and being in that collective experience with women who are doing the things and even if they're not like doing the things building their own business or whatever they're rooting for these women who are and they're like yes 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 you can you can I know you can and it's like this is magic people like this there's so much power and I think there was a couple hundred few hundred women in this group and it was like just the ripple effect of what these women are experiencing and doing and hearing from other women like I can't imagine the the effect and impact it's going to have on the world. And I agree. I agree. And I think a lot of, I feel a lot of the way that I do because I am a mom, especially of girls, you know, yeah. like I'm not, we're not doing this anymore. Like this is not going to be their thing. As long as they choose a path of growth, I'm happy. If it's college, great. If you go to college for two years and you're like, you know what? I really hate this. This is not for me. Okay. What are we going to do? what's the next plan you know Mm -hmm. i agree with you 100 percent. i have a lot of conversations so parenting changes when when they're little it's a lot of commands no stop sit eat (laughs) like a dog (laughs) right yes at two and one that's that's what i look like right now stop you know yeah you know pick that up as they get older you have more and more conversations 
Mm-hmm. Now that my daughter's 16, it is a lot of conversations. It's it's not about consequences. It's not about, you know, when she does something wrong to punish her. It's no longer, it's, it's way more than that. It's about, let me connect with my daughter. Let me have some rich conversations with her before she leaves my house. Yeah. I didn't have those conversations with my mom. And so I dated a lot of crappy men. I kissed a lot of frogs because we didn't have those conversations. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And so I make sure that I have those with my daughter because they're so important. Yes. Yes. And you know how it is. Like you hear the echo of your parents. It stays with you. You know, it stays with you. So like be the thing that you want them to hear. You know, you want when, when they hit something hard, it's mom saying like, you got this girl, like you're so brave. You're so smart. You know, you got this or whatever it is that you tell her. Let that be what's in their head instead of, no, 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 just pick the safe path and you just got to get a job. My dad was like, you're not supposed to like your job. That's why they pay you, you know? But- yeah. Yeah, same. Okay. So for a parent who, you know, is within your your space, you said nine to through nine ages. Yeah. Nine, nine through 19. What are some tips? And I know that's still a big range, but like parents are, are hearing their moms are hearing this. And they're like, yes, yes, yes. I'm getting what you're saying. Like, how do I do this? What does this look like in my house? What tips might you suggest for them? So one of the biggest things that parents need to realize that they don't own their child and they can't essentially control them. Yes. I think a lot of parents think, I think of like the marionette dolls, the old dolls where you can control with your hands with the strings. And a lot of parents feel like they own their child or that they can control their child and they end up shaming their child. And a lot of parents have a hard time accepting who their children really are. Mm. And when your child hits adolescent ages, I'd say around fifth, sixth grade, the child pulls themselves away from their parents to form their own identity. And that is normal and it's healthy. And for some parents, that's very hard. I'm sure. And also middle school is a time for kids to explore, right? They're doing their hair in a different way, their makeup, their clothes, their music. And so parents have sometimes a hard time with that. But they have to know as the toddler stage is a phase that these are a phase and that they're healthy and to let your child figure out who they are and not shape them and mold them into what you want them to be or what dreams you had that you did not accomplish. Ooh, yes. So that's the biggest thing I work with as far as middle school kids. Okay. When I work with high school, it's really about independence. I really go through a lot with the parents of what's the difference between helping a child and enabling a child. Mm. Can we talk about that for just a minute? Yeah. Can we differentiate between the two, please? Yeah. I think some people might need to hear this. Of course. So helping your child is, for an example, your child has homework. They sit at the table. They do it independently. You come over if they have a question or you check it at the end. I had a student tell me yesterday that her mom forgot to do her homework. Well, that's new. (laughs) So she took the test and she bombed it. Of course. Right. So sometimes as parents, we overstep. We think that we are helping. We're telling our child, oh, you need to get your driver's license. 
oh, you need to go to college. You need to do this. And then parents end up doing their child's homework because they want them to get into a certain college. Or I've seen parents do their child's homework because they want their child to play sports. And I have to say to parents, absolutely not. This in high school is so crucial that you give your child independence. So stop enabling them. Yeah. In high school, your only job now is to guide. It's like a bowling alley with the bumpers. You cannot control the ball, but you're this just there to make sure that they're safe. Yeah. And you're just guiding them down the lane of wherever they decide to go. Yeah. And you have to back off. You cannot helicopter them. You cannot micromanage them. And I think the biggest, this is the other part that goes with it. Parents have to allow their children to fail fall and and have natural consequences while they're in their home yes you don't want your child to fall fail and have natural consequences when they're in their 20s away yes. from you yeah you need it to happen in your home so you i literally tell parents you have to take your hands off of the steering wheel and put your seatbelt on oh my gosh so important and such a good point that let them fail under your roof where you can catch them and support them in that because everyone's going to fail at something eventually. Oh my God. Like major breakups. I have a lot of parents that say, I don't want my daughter to date. Why? Why would you not? Why would you not let your daughter have a boyfriend? And, and you monitor that you go through that. And then when she breaks her heart, where is she going to run to you? Not to some other boy, not her friends giving her crappy advice. She comes to you and you work through that with your child. Again, you're you're building that toolbox for them. So they're going to carry that toolbox and hopefully leave. I have some parents say, no, 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 no. Yes. Your goal as a parent is for your child to leave your house. That's when you know you did it right. Yeah. They don't have to leave at 18. I'm not saying that. But eventually your child should want to leave your home and have their own life. Right. And if we're really looking at the grand scheme of things, I have a lot of parents who have a very hard time with their children not making A's. And I really have a lot of serious conversations with parents that mental health, mental awareness and mental health for me overrides grades. Yeah. I will take a C student any day as long as their mental health is in check. Because at the end of the day, when you are looking at your life, I'm talking 80, let's say we lived 89 years old and you're looking over your life and looking at everything you've done, you've set it all on the table. The most important thing that you can give your child is for them to be a partner for somebody. The grades don't matter. College doesn't matter. All of these things, sports does not matter. Can your child, when you pass away, be in a loving relationship, be a wonderful partner, spouse, have children? That is the ultimate goal as a parent. What are you teaching your child to be a great parent? Are you teaching them morals, empathy, love, compassion, forgiveness, unconditional love? That is what you're ultimately doing. I think, too, when we are concerned about how our children are performing, and I, you know, I have a daughter who just entered elementary school last year, and I was a teacher, so I've seen both sides of things. If you're concerned with your kids' grades, really examine why. You know, I'm not looking as a teacher, I'm not looking at Johnny's poor little Johnny. Johnny always gets it. Little Johnny's mom going, wow, you really messed up that one. He failed his spelling test this week. Way to go, Donna. You know, like no one's thinking that. Like, no, that's not what it is. 
failing grades are a piece of data for a teacher to work with. Like, is this a one-off? Hey, that was unusual for them. Or are we noticing a pattern? What can we do to interrupt this pattern, get the student what they need? Like, no one's looking at you over there, Joanne, thinking like, oh, what a crappy mom. Like, it's literally about you. (laughs) They internalize it and associate their child's performance with their self-worth. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Mm. And that, oh, my gosh. And that's another thing that I, I, um, I, you guys can go to my TikTok. I have a lot of videos posted about this. But one of the things that I talked about recently was about your life needs to be separate than your child's life. Yeah. I see so many parents, their identity and their worth and who they are is so ingrained in their children that when their child do leave, they all of a sudden hit rock bottom and don't know who they are. Yeah. And I ask parents, well, your kids take in so many activities. Where's your activities? What are you doing for yourself for exercise? If they're taking football, baseball, soccer, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, well, my child has, you know, therapy, this, that. Well, then what about you? What are, what are you doing for yourself? Because your child needs to see you do something independently from them that makes you smile. Yes. Because that is healthy and that is normal. When yeah. you absorb into your child, you are now creating a person that is codependent. Yeah. And I will tell you as a person who's codependent, I've dealt with this for many, many years. It is a bitch to get rid of. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's a lot of therapy and a lot of books for me to undepend myself from people, if that's even a word. Yeah. Yeah. You have to find happiness within yourself and it is yes. okay for your child to see that in you yes your happiness yeah. should not always just come from them right right and if i'm sure these people like prior to their children maybe it was their spouse maybe it was their job maybe it was the thing that they used to do like it you it has to come from you it has to come from you before you know and it, what do you do when your kids go and you're they're they're literally your everything like i I can't imagine how hard. Where we come up with the term a midlife crisis. No, a midlife crisis didn't come out of it. No, it came from years of people pleasing and seeking validation in other people and being codependent. And like it came from you not ever saying, you know, this is what, never taking time out for yourself and saying the things that you really want to say. And then you wake up at 40 and 50 and you're like, holy shit. Now I want that motorcycle and I want to be divorced and go live on Venice Beach. Yeah. Because you spent 30, 40 years of your life doing what everybody else wanted you to do and never did for yourself. Yeah. That's not sustainable. Oh, at all. At some oh. point, you just you 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 just fall apart. I mean, you can only hold it in for so long. Yeah. I love how you're saying like the work that you're doing with the children and the parents encouraging the children. Like, do you see how this can play out if you're not doing it? Because they're just going to repeat the pattern that you created unless there's some other major pattern interrupt. Yep. And your child's going to come to you in their 40 and say, Mom, I hate my job. I'm miserable. I need to go to therapy. My marriage is falling apart and my kids are bad. Yeah. And then we sit there and we wonder why we have all these behaviors in schools. So everything that affects the parents trickles down to the children. Yes. It doesn't even have to be anything that children see or hear. It's the energy in the house. Children are so intuitive. Mm -hmm. 
you would not believe the things that they pick up that you have no idea. Mm. Yeah. Some of the things that my, when I'm work, my clients tell me I'm in awe because these children are very, very aware of what's going on, even though the parents try to hide it or cover it up as much as possible. The children feel it. And I believe when these children tell me these things, I believe what they're saying. Yeah. And then I have to call parents out and say, hey, time out. Look at what's going on. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my gosh, really? And I'm like, yes, now that you understand. So my what I do in this in this is what I call understand and heal. So first we have to get to the bottom of what's really going on. Then we have to lay it on the table and everybody has to understand each other. Once the understanding happens and then we can now heal mm. and move forward. So it's a process that I take that I take these clients through. I love, though, that you give them each their own individual space. You're giving the child space and then you're giving the parent the space as well. Because I feel like a lot of times the parents are just trying to make the kid bend back to whatever it is that they're after, whatever the the image the poster child is for them. And there's not a lot of consideration for what the kid is experiencing, what they want, how they're feeling. Exactly. And when I do sessions with parents in the beginning, like I used to do them all together, the children never feel heard and they never can say what they really want to say. Yeah. So I build a relationship with the child first. Yeah. And then I build a relationship with the parents separately. And then I bring everybody together because I'm essentially helping the parents. But my ultimate goal is to advocate for the child. And I will say this too. I would say about 99% of the kids that I work with when I ask them what's the number one thing they want, they tell me time with their parents. It's hard to hear. It is. It's very hard. I have so many of my clients tell me I want my mom to put her phone down. Oh, my God. Yeah. I wish my dad could just come to one of my games. Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking for saying my kid doesn't, my kid is so bad. Well, behavior is a form of communication. So when yeah. you think your child is acting bad, they're actually screaming and saying, I want you. And so that's what I help to do. That's incredible. And (laughs) like the phone piece, for example, like if you're taking care of yourself as a parent, if you've got a thing that lights you up, you know, instead of just running to all the activities and doing the carpool thing and shuttling your children everywhere to all the sports, if you're doing something for you and you've got some kind of a practice for yourself, you can show up more present when you are with your kids because I know for me before I started doing the work, a lot of the reason I was on my phone was because I was disassociating because it was just too much and it was easier for me to be a body in the room with my brain somewhere else chasing dopamine or whatever it was chasing. I agree with you 100%. I w- I've been that parent too. Yeah. My two-year-old one screaming all day long. I just want to get on the couch and just mindlessly scroll because... And look at recipes and like fall clothing. I mean, that's what feels good. But I also, you know, now knowing the work that I do and the things that I do that I need to spend time with my children. And once I spend time with my children, then I have time for myself. My children at this age are too young. But as my daughter was seven and eight years old and she saw me in law school, I had to explain to her right now is mommy's time and I need you to do your time. And so she would sit at the table with me and I taught her how to do Legos. And so she would read the book and do one, you know, and we would buy, you know, Legos that took days. And that was the way I was able to get in law school. She also fell in love with Harry Potter. So it was very easy for her to be next to me in the room. And I study and she go through those nine books. 
and she would write letters to J.K. Rowling. Oh. And so that was a way that that I was able to do that with her. Yeah. But she knew that mommy needed some time to herself. Yeah. And that she had her own independent time. I had to teach her that. That was so important. Again, I don't want to raise this daughter to be codependent upon me. She needed to have her own independence and her own identity and her own things. So important for them to see you claiming that time for yourself because they can carry that with them that when they need their time and they're an adult in their own situation, that it's a safe thing to do. Correct. And you need to tell them that. Yeah. A lot of parents think that kids assume they don't know. I had to teach my daughter. That yeah. mommy, this is my 30 minutes. I really, you know, and explain it to her and set yeah. a timer and get her an activity that she enjoyed so that she could feel what I was feeling at the same time. And the other day we were cleaning down a room and I was like, you still have all those Harry Potter books. Maddie, do you want to donate them? And she was like, absolutely not. She was like, I'm going to keep these forever and probably share them with my children. So that obviously to me shows me that that was a that was a great moment in her life she really yeah. loved those books and connected with them yeah i love that what a beautiful gift that i taught her yeah absolutely you know yeah and all it took was you claiming something for yourself here's my thing here's your thing that you can do while i'm doing my thing yep yeah i wanted to talk about this really quick i wanted to go back to the helping and enabling so when you look at the word enable, it means to give power. But I wanted to bring this up because it just made me think about it when I was working with her. When you enable your child, you actually take the power away from them. And what ends up happening is you lower their confidence and their self-esteem because they believe that they can no longer do things without you doing them for them. Huh. I never thought about that. So it's it's a crucial to teach your children to do things independently without you it boosts their self-esteem and boosts their confidence it also develops critical thinking skills and problem-solving skills which they need in life yes so there has to be a very clear line between i'm helping my child and then am i really enabling my child and really really separate that and you separate that by having boundaries and that's what i do with my daughter when i was studying i had very firm boundaries yeah with, don't interrupt mommy i need these 30 minutes you have your 30 minutes let's find something that you enjoy and creating that and there is nothing more powerful than a woman who has boundaries amen and i'm so glad you said that because it's definitely a you know a, a hot topic boundaries everyone's like everyone understands that they need boundaries but i don't think it's talked about in the capacity with children often so i'm glad you said that because you're not being a mean mommy if you're just like no <laughs> kids actually like rules Believe it or not, they really do. Yeah. They like to know what is what to, Yeah, what to expect. That's safe. Yes. It makes a child feel safe. Yeah. It makes their environment predictable. Yeah. But the more that you can do that, you are sending a secure child. If you've ever studied the four attachments, you're sending one of the attachments is security. That's what you want. That is healthy. You are sending a secure child out into the world. I love all of this so much. It resonates with me with the background in education and, you know, obviously being a mom too, but I'm just, I, I love it. And I think you need to shout your message, like shout it because so many people need to hear this because I think interestingly at the root of it is you need to take care of yourself, mom, take care of yourself, handle your stuff, you know, and find your own value, find your own worth outside. It's not out there. It's in here. And then the other pieces can kind of start to build 
once you've established that. But you're always going to be chasing something else if it's not in here first. And the way it can manifest in your family, like, can be so beautiful or so ugly, depending on which route you take. Yes. Wow. Yes, you get it. <laughs> you and I are on the same wavelength. Like, I get it. I get it. But it's like, I hope the pieces are connecting for people who may not be on the same wavelength. You could literally change the trajectory of your entire lineage by doing this work and doing it now. Can I ask, is there a point where it's like too late? Like maybe you've got the kid who's in their senior year and like, it's been rough. It's all been a rough go. Like, can you still heal enough at that point if a parent thinks that they've quote unquote messed up too much up until that point? What a, what a great question. It is never too late. Also, too, nowadays, children are not, due to the economy and a lot of reasons, children are not moving out at 18 anymore. Yeah. Children are actually staying in the home, going to a local community college or whatever it is that they're doing, and not leaving the home until they're in their 20s. So when I, I'm noticing that when I'm doing my life coaching, it's no longer 9 to 19. I'm really doing 9 to 25. Wow. Because the 25-year-olds are really like 18. Also, too, this generation growing up on phones and iPads has slowed their maturity and their independence and their responsibilities. Mm. Gen Z is the biggest population we've ever had of non-drivers. This generation has no desire to drive. So interesting. Yes. It's so interesting. I have had many talks with therapists about this and read so many articles. It's very fascinating to me. But this generation has no desire to drive. Huh. So when I'm working with 9 to 19, the three most important ages or stages that children go through in that time period is 16 when they're able to drive. That's a huge responsibility, maturity-wise and independence. The second one is 18. They are now given the ability to join the military. They can leave. They are now considered by the state an adult. That's yeah. on another level of maturity and responsibility and the third one is 21 you are now able to legally drink Mm -hmm. and what is happening is is now that kids are not driving until they're 18 they're not able to make adult decisions until much later in their 20s and now giving a 21 year old the right to drink so it's it's we're having this this in their 20s it's been a hard time to navigate so yes i am seeing parents in that in that state in that age range and letting them know that it is never too late also i tell parents between the ages of of like 13 and 16 anything you say to your kid goes with one ear and out the other so if you're if you're if your child's still in your home at 20 let's 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 connect let me help you because now at 20 their brain has now formed more that prefrontal cortex even though it's not fully developed yet yeah it's close this is a great time to start having these conversations and setting them up for success I mean, you can look back as an adult and be like, wow, I was an idiot. You know, I had a degree. I walked out of college and graduated and felt like I knew everything, but I was not bright. You know, like there's still a lot of room for growth. You know, I'm 37 and I still look around for an adult year adult. So I, you know, there's always growth. Always. Oh my God. I think we're always, I think even me as a teacher, I think I will always be a lifelong learner. Yeah. Always. Yeah. I'm the, I'm that person who has 10 books on my Amazon wish list and I order them all and my husband goes, 
um how many books are you gonna read right now and i'm like all of them i just can't yeah. like i am that yeah. person i'm taking yeah. a workshop a class i'm continuing yes. to learn and yeah. so at 20 it's okay to give that to your child mm-hmm. i love that and it's cool to watch and I enjoy that experience myself when my parents started to see me as more of an adult than a child and the dynamic changed a little bit. And it's fun. It's like, a you know, so to have your relationship in a solid place when that transition can happen and you get to be, you know, you're, you're always their parents, but you get to be like adults alongside of them. Um, that's got to be more like a friend. It, it becomes a very close friendship at that, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You now you're doing so much parenting when they're teenagers. Yeah literally their days where you're like i hate my child and your child feels the same way i promise you the feeling is mutual the child is like i hate you too and that's normal yeah but when they're 20 they come back around and that's a good time to really by then you can friend your child i do not recommend friending your child below the age of 18 i hear a lot of people say my child is my best friend and i'm like stop no 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 there's time for that later no, we need those boundaries intact for when they're teenagers. You mm-hmm. cannot be your child's friend until they're le- much older in life. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to have a very hard time raising a teenager if you're best friends with them. It's not. It's going to be very difficult. No, I can't imagine. There was not space for that in my house, but I cannot imagine. <laughs> I cannot imagine. <laughs> no, like you said, they, they're the bumpers. And when they know what to expect and they know it's predictable, like that's where the safety is. And I know they're not little, but still there's that piece. They, at the end of the day, like as an educator, we know I cannot teach my child anything by students, anything, unless they are fed, rested, feel safe. Like nothing else can build on top of that. And I imagine you need that in your parenting relationship as well. Was it Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Yep. 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 We never forget this stuff. It's back there, you know. It's it back is. there in the archives for sure. All right, we could literally talk all night, but I know, <laughs> I know. I just feel like I know you. Yeah, yeah. And I think as soon as you said you're a teacher, I was like, I got it. You know, we came from the same program. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Like, we're very similar in a lot of ways for sure. And I'm I'm so glad you took the time. Before we end the conversation, I want to yes. ask you a few things that I ask all of my guests. Of course. So first, what didn't you expect motherhood to change or shake up in you? Motherhood is beautiful. You are pregnant. I think pregnancy for me was a beautiful. I embraced every minute of it. I brought home this child and loved this child with just just so much and I woke up one day and was like I miss that girl Mm. I'm no longer her I am now a mom and I have this new identity and this new role and these new expectations of me but I still miss her and as I talked about in the beginning of this podcast there's a griefing moment and as moms our identity changes and we have to go through again another process of of our identity changing yeah also, your relationships change. My best friend right now, she's preparing for her son's wedding, and I'm changing diapers. And I miss her. But when you're home with two babies, it's very isolating. It's a very lonely. Even if you have the greatest husband in the world, there's just some yeah. things that men cannot connect with you as a woman can. And so I had to go through this process of I, went, I was a single mom, and I had to born that because now I'm no longer one. And that was my identity for so long. 
And then when you have two babies back to back, 14 months apart, I'm like, oh my gosh, I literally woke up and now as a mom of one to mom of three. Yeah. Who is, who is this person? So I don't think that as moms, we, ever, we don't talk about that enough. I agree. And I called my dad one day and I was like, I am so lonely. And my dad goes, how in the world could you feel lonely? You have the most beautiful family. You went from one to five. And I said, I know, I know, dad. But I was crying to him like, I need something. Yeah. And my dad goes, I just can't understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And my best friend told me one day that her husband was her best friend. And I was like, mm, no, mine's not. And I'm not his friend to her husband. Yes, yeah. my husband is my lover and my father of my children and my husband and so many things, but he cannot be my best friend. My best friend has to be a woman that we just look at each other and I just say it's been one of those days and she knows exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Right after I had the baby, my husband's, well, not right after, but like seven months later, my husband's like, let's go run. And I was like, run? Ew. I just pushed out an eight and a half pound baby. Like oh. my body does not want to run. That is a we don't run anymore. <laughs> no. no. Oh and you're just gosh. like, well, my gosh, my feelings are hurt. Like I really want to work out with you. And I was like, um, no, I need to stretch. I just need to meditate and stretch. Yes. You go run, and I support you, and we'll be your biggest cheerleader. But no. Yeah, it's one of those things where he could never understand what my body went through and the emotions and all of that as a woman could right so i tell women to nurture those friendships yeah and keep them even though they evolve and change and it is an evolution with every baby too you know it's I, there's a huge evolution from not a mother to a mother and then anytime you had a child yeah the pregnancies are different yeah the children are different. They have different personalities. Yeah. And also too, like I remember talking to my grandfather and his brother. And when we talked, when they talked about their childhoods, they had two totally different childhoods. Mm. And it's like, well, y'all were 14 months apart. How in the world could you, your brother say one thing and you were saying another? And I pondered that question for many, many years. And I revealed to me when I was doing all of my parent life coaching, this is what happens. A parent is one person when they have one child and they are a different person when they have a second child. For sure. So therefore, that's how come siblings can have two different outlooks on their life. Being yeah. raised in the same home with the same parents. It's fascinating. It is. And my daughter said to me, she said, oh my gosh, mom, these boys are not going to have the life that I had. And I said, no, no, baby, they're not. Yeah. And she kind of was sad. And I said, but I want you to know that they will never know me the way you know me. Yeah. Yeah. Because the time that I was able to give to her and the hardships and the struggles and the things that she saw me go through, my boys will never see that. Right. right. So our relationship is going to be very different than the boys, but in a very special, unique, only for me and her type yeah. of way. And I don't think that's any mistake either. I think your children come to you and they're supposed to come to you in the order that they're supposed to come to you, you know, and they I, all have, I, to have their own journeys. I totally agree. And I think yeah. that children pick their parents. I believe that the yeah. these children chose me to be their mom. Yeah. And just think, even when it's hard, they signed up for it. 
your soul signed up for this. You're in it together. Like, that's what gets me through when I sometimes I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm messing this up. Like, no, 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 no. We all chose this before we were in these skin suits, as some people say. Before we entered the skin suits, we chose this. We all chose each other. And how beautiful is that? Yeah, it is. They they really are a gift. Yeah. I used to hear that when I was growing up, like kids children are a gift. I'm like, whatever. I didn't really know that meaning until I look at my kids and I listen to them talk in their eyes and I just sit there and I'm like in awe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not cheesy mom stuff either, because I was never like this I, I worked with children, no problem. But it wasn't like the super nurturing maternal type. And like I literally look at my six-year-old especially because I've known her longer and I'm just like oh my gosh you're so amazing but in ways I never anticipated you that was such a beautiful answer thank you thank you you've given tons and tons and tons of advice but if you had to pick like one tasty morsel to give to another mother at any stage in the motherhood journey what would it be oh my gosh it would be to love yourself and do things for yourself yes amen do things, and I've said this before, do things that set your soul on fire and you don't need to ask anybody's permission. Yeah. Don't ask your husband. Go do it. Go do it. <laughs> he needs to bond with that baby. Yeah. Don't feel bad. Don't have mom guilt. Leave him with that baby. Call his mom or your mom if you don't feel comfortable and leave that baby. It will be fine. Yes. And do something for yourself. Giving all every piece of every morsel of yourself to your child doesn't make you win an award no doesn't make you the best mom it actually makes you the most drained and miserable mom and i see a lot of moms when the kids are guilt they just when they're younger just feel so guilty and i'm like no honey they're perfectly fine in preschool i just don't want my child to go to daycare preschool i'm like no they're safe yeah people are highly trained you know when you need to really be there for your child is when they're a teenager yeah and my parents say, oh, my gosh, this is so difficult. Honey, you haven't seen anything yet. Mm, I will take yeah. 10 two-year-olds over a 16-year-old. Yeah. So I really just, in perspective, have something in place for yourself. So important. And you got to make the time. For some of us, that means you have to write it down in the pretty pen in your beautiful planner because you don't yep. want to cross it out. <laughs> Tuesday at this time, you're going to do this. The end. And I tell women to treat it as a doctor's appointment. Yes, I love that. I love that. It's got to be that. You got to say, hey, honey, I need you to watch the kids for an hour and a half for me. Yeah. Period. End of story. Hey, honey, I'm not cooking tonight. You need to pick up something on the way home. I got this over here. And be okay with dishes everywhere and the house a mess and the kids only eating this and them having juice or whatever it is that you're like, be okay. Let your husband parent the kids the way he parents them. It's okay. They will survive. Some some women want to overtake that and want their head. No, let your husband do it his way. Yeah. And let your kids see them in control. Let him do it. How else is a man going to know how to do it if you don't allow him space to be with his own children? And you, by God, leave and enjoy every minute that you get. I love this. But I love that you went in for the dads. You're like, let no. This is their time to shine. Let them let them deal with the diapers and the blowouts and the whatever. Yes. Uh, and you feel bad about it when you come home and they're like, oh, oh my gosh, no. Let go of the control. Mm, yeah. Let him figure it out. Let him do it. First. Let there be spilled milk. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. 
doing something for yourself is so much greater than anything else because you can't take care of your children and you can't be a great wife if you're not pouring into yourself and you cannot expect your husband to give that to you that is not his responsibility yes you're so right you're so right and stop asking them for permission because i find myself when i'm like totally my husband is the most supportive amazing man ever but i have found myself when i'm like wiped out looking for him to be like okay go go that's not he doesn't need to do that like i need to like put my my big girl panties on and be like i gotta go you know even if it's to the drive through chick-fil-a and a walk around target mm-hmm. give him the peace sign and say i gotta go i have a doctor's appointment and go do that yeah absolutely and the long run he will thank you i promise you will come home happier yes thank you it'll be it's a great for your kids to step away from you yeah it has it has so many benefits to it yeah it's better for your whole house for sure yeah yeah what is your thing what do you do to reconnect to yourself in motherhood oh my goodness well right now i'm gonna i'm really into my stretching and my meditating i love to read that's yeah that's my thing right now it, it's it's changed over the years I mean obviously you know the stages of your child and what time you have when I have two little ones I don't have a lot of wiggle room so if I can do a 15 minute stretch or a little bit of Pilates or something like that I feel so good even though I'm like mm-hmm. it was 15 minutes I still thank myself for showing up to do that and then I'm obviously, we know when I was a single mom and she was 11, I mean, I had a lot more wiggle room. She was playing sports. So I had a couple of hours. So that part of my life looked very different than it does now. Yeah. But now I'm more about being present. Mm-hmm. And the way I can become present is by meditating, being calm, doing my stretches. And so that's where this is the space that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. And just being okay, like letting that be okay is. Because if we're people pleasers and overachievers and all the things that we often are, it's like, oh, but is it really going to, if I like it five minutes, like, is it even worth it? Yes, it is. <laughs> and I told myself that I cannot, like, I would say, I can't get through a whole, work, I can't get through a whole 30 minutes. Who cares? Right. You should. I've, I've done 10 minutes of just stretching and foam rolling and I got up off the floor and I was like, oh my God, I feel so good. Mm-hmm. My meditations yeah. are only 10, 15 minutes. And then I'm like, I can do this. And then when they're done, I'm like, I loved it. Why couldn't that meditation have been 30 minutes? I know. Oh, good. And I love that you said meditation because so many women have been like, I meditate. And I'm just like, check, check. And I'm like, by the way, you need to meditate. If you're not meditating, you should meditate. So I'm so glad you said it. <laughs> just another one. Another tally mark. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I really do. And I think as a busy teacher, it's so hard to slow down. Yeah. And then as a mom to three kids, I'm juggling such, you know, age differences. I'm in a space right now where I'm just like, I just want to press the pause button. Mm. And I've tried to meditate in the past and it just, it just didn't resonate with me then. Yeah. But right now I'm in a place and I'm also doing a lot of guided meditation. So for your listeners that are not into meditation, Definitely try a guided meditation. If you don't like the person's voice, there are so many people on YouTube and so many, you know, apps that you can try. So I always recommend trying, you know, it's like therapy. You may not like one therapist, but definitely try several. And then I always recommend staying it for six months before you really get the ideas. The same thing with meditation. So I found my place with my person. Yeah. And that's why I'm enjoying it so much. Yeah. Give it a chance. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you with the guided because I it's like too much pressure to like sit quietly with myself because my my mind does wander. So if someone's talking, I'm like, okay, whatever they're saying is where my focus yep. is. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I like how you said, give it a try and stick with it. You'll find your thing. How can people work with you? Where can they find you? Tell us all the things. Okay, so I'm with TikTok. I um, and you will link all of my stuff. But yeah. I am, I'm Christina, and I'll just say my last name for you guys. My last name is Buendia. Okay, and it means good day in Spanish. I love it. So on TikTok, I'm Christina. I believe it's underscore good day. Okay. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm Christina Buendia. And so my TikTok is all about mom wife and all of my teacher tips and all of that stuff. Like a lot of the gold nuggets that we talked about today. There, are, I have lots of videos on TikTok. And my Instagram is all family. So it's all of my kids. It's just total mom life. And um, so you can get the whole picture by going to both. I also have a website. It's www.christinabuendia.com. And that is where you can read my bio and get information about my parent life coaching sessions. Okay. And do you have space for people? Do you work with people virtually? I do work with people virtually. So yes, I have times on uh, during the week. I have times on the weekends. Um, and I do do hold classes. So if you're comfortable enough and you want to do a class with several other families, I offer that too as well. And those I really, really enjoy. You get to see things from different angles and different families. A lot of the families actually end up connecting and I set them up with age groups of their children. So if your children are around this age, that is the parents that I will put you in a group with. And I mean, the group ones are, I, I really love. Coming from where we met a group experience, like when people are coming together for a common goal, it's so powerful and the connections that you could make and the ways that you oh. learn from each other. You feel like sometimes you're so like, I'm the only parent going through this. Yeah. And my, I'm the only one. My kid is the only little, little shit over here doing this. <laughs> I, but that's not true. And then when I meet parents and when I meet families, I'm like, I really think you should do this group. You, it really grows. Yeah. And the parents now are like, oh, yeah. I'm going through this as well. Because ultimately we all want a connection with somebody who's going through something that we're going through. Yeah. So while the individual sometimes is totally necessary for some, for certain people for privacy reasons and certain things like that. Sure. The group is also very empowering for parents looking for mm-hmm. some other parent that they can connect with. That sounds so beneficial so <laughs> beneficial and connection i love how you said bro looking for connection because whatever the thing is we are we are looking for connection yeah we are and this was a beautiful connection it, i love yeah. it so yeah thank you so much for your time today and imparting your wisdom and we're going to direct people to all your things yeah you've sold your services i don't have a nine-year-old but like oh you sold your services for sure and we just so appreciate you being here thank you i loved it this was great fun. this is so fun all right everybody go follow christina go find her in the gym with a wealth of knowledge so i hope i hope people start blowing up your dms and everything else so. <laughs> i send i send hearts to all of you thank you so much christina of course thank you again christina for being here i loved our conversation 
If you are expecting, have you grabbed my free 18 page maternity leave planning guide? It includes 18 pages of tips and tools to create an aligned plan that honors your needs from workload transition to building and support with a new baby and honoring your need for self-care. You can grab it via the link in the show notes. Also in the show notes, you will find links for the Affirmations for Mamas printable deck, which is available for just $7 and is an instant download and information around the mat leave social membership coming in january and the one-to-one maternity leave mentorship if you want some extra hands-on attention to create your own plan to fit your very specific needs until we meet again come hang out with me on socials at having a mom moment on instagram and if you're loving the podcast it would mean so much if you followed subscribed and shared the word In case no one has told you today, you are amazing, you are loved, and I am so proud of the beautiful human that you are. Have a great day.